out and turn to Hebrews. We're finishing our Hope series today, Hebrews chapter 6. As you're turning there, let me give you a couple of updates. One is, if you have family or friends that was uh, on our uh, missions trip to Austria, uh, we've communicated with uh, everyone, uh, all the families involved and all the friends involved. But just FYI, in case you hear something and need to know, uh, the airline that was bringing our 36-member team home went on strike. Air France went on strike. Decided they're not flying people right now. And so uh, we have made other arrangements, and all 36 people are rebooked on other flights, and uh, we'll begin arriving late today, and uh, the last group will be shuttled in tomorrow at 5.30. So not convenient, not what we wanted, uh, not the way to end the trip, but it was a fantastic, phenomenal trip, great week of impact. But just in case you needed to know that, uh, our Austria team will be arriving somewhere in group, uh, uh, five or six different groups over the next 24 hours. So just if you think of them, pray for them, and just ask the Lord to give them a, a, safe, a safe trip home uh, in the groups that they're in. So we're so committed to small groups, we even do mission trips like that. You know, we break them all up into groups and just send them home one at a time. Next Sunday, uh, we're starting a brand new series called... Uh, History, his story, H-I-S, his story. And the series is about the Bible, and I want you to, I want to alert you to it today because this is unlike any series that we've ever done, and I'm really going to challenge you in this series and give you opportunities to engage the Bible in ways that uh, most of us probably never have. And so next week, I want to ask you to join us. Make sure and be here in the month of October. His story, the Bible is God's story. The Bible is the revelation of God. And so we're going to be talking about it. This week, I'm going to send you an email. If we have your email address on file, I'm going to send you an email this week that's going to kind of unpack everything we're going to be uh, focusing on in the month of October in this series. And we're going to be in that... In that um, email, I'm going to tell you about the uh, worship song list that we're going to be singing in the month of October. You can go on kingwoodchurch.com, like through the Hope series. We've had all the songs we're going to be singing for worship service there. So you can, they're on video, so you can just push play and listen to them. Uh, you can watch them or listen to them or both. Um, also, our worship team has written four scripture songs. In other words, they are scriptures put to music that you can listen to through the month of October that'll just seat God's Word into your spirit. Uh, we'll have some information about that on there also. And we'll have a Bible reading plan for the month of October that I want to encourage you to join us in. In other words, let's read the Bible together in the month of October, and I'll give you some specific ways to do that. So I'm super excited about this series. It's going to make a dramatic impact on your life and on the life of our church. It's going to make an impact on your family. There's nothing that impacts you and I like engaging God's Word. And so I just want to alert you to that and ask you to join us for it. Today we're going to finish our series uh, on hope. And I, my prayer is, is that it's impacted your life as much as it has mine. There's some of those series that we do that I say, 
man, I think I got the most out of that. And this might be one of those. I, I, I pray that it's impacted you the way it has me. It has just charged me. It has excited me. It's encouraged me. It's challenged me. It's refreshed me. And so the first week we talked about the promise of hope. Last week we talked about how do you deal with hope when it's been postponed. And then today we're going to talk about the power of hope. So if you think for a minute, just kind of put your childhood imagination brain on. If you think for a minute about the Cinderella story, imagine if Cinderella had remained an abused stepchild. And that's where the story ended. You know, she never, she never was uh, rushed off into a pumpkin that turned into a carriage. And she never had a glass slipper. And she just kind of stayed there and cleaned her uh, mean step-parents' house the rest of her life. I mean, we wouldn't even hear about the story today, would we? we it wouldn't even mean anything to us. Or, or for those of you who need a little bit different vein of imagination, what about Star Trek? Any Trekkies? I mean, uh, Star Wars. Any, sorry, there's a whole diff, two different communities, I realize. I don't want to start a war here. It's almost like Alabama and Auburn. It, Star Wars, folks. Can you imagine if Luke Skywalker and the good part of the force, whatever that means, hadn't defeated Darth Vader and the evil empire? I mean, what kind of story would it be? It would not be a story that would garner very much attention. And, of course, Cinderella did marry the prince, and Luke Skywalker and the good guys did defeat the evil empire. And I think the reason those stories capture our imagination is because we all long for happy endings. We long for things to turn out well. There's nothing more frustrating to me than to go see a movie where there's a sad ending. It's, I hate it. it. I feel like I've been duped. I feel like somebody pulled a gimmick on me. I've had enough bad endings in my life. I've had enough sad endings in my life. I don't want to pay somebody to give me another one. I go there to get away. Not to have another sad ending. 1 Corinthians says, These three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. Love has to do with motive, faith has to do with power, hope has to do with endurance. So here's how hope works. Expecting a good outcome helps us endure life's hardships, helps us to overcome anxiety and fear and discouragement and even failure. I read a story a few years ago that uh, has always stayed in my mind. There was a prisoner of war who was wasting away inside con confinement, uh, the confinement of the enemy. His mind was beginning to slip from the frustration of the imprisonment. To try to maintain his sanity, he would take his T-shirt off and he would jam it into his mouth and he would bite his teeth down on it and he would scream. And the reason that he would do that is because he was trying to find a way to let the agony out but not let the guards hear him in fear that they would come and, you know, beat him or torture him or something like that. He didn't want to become a target. He didn't want to seem weak in front of the guards because they might target him to make an example out of him. One day he was lying on the floor and he could see daylight through a drain shaft and as his eyes focused, as he laid on the floor and his eyes focused out that drain shaft, out the other end of the building, his eyes caught a single blade of grass. Later he said that that single blade of grass was a reminder to him that there was an outside world that was free and moving on and unhindered and unaffected by what he was going through and one day he would be part of that outside world again. 
in the weeks and the months that followed, he would spend hours lying on the floor, staring out that drain shaft, watching the sunlight hit that little blade of grass. And as time went by, he stopped shoving his T-shirt in his mouth, he stopped screaming, and a lot of his fear and anxiety went down. Why? He had hope. The power of hope is an amazing thing. Hope gave this man sanity and strength and patience. What oxygen is to our lungs, hope is to our spirit. The problem that a hopeless person feels is that they feel constricted and confined and suffocated. A hopeless person can't breathe. Let me, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this thought down. I think it is one of the best thoughts we can have about understanding hope. The quality of our hope determines the quality of our lives. The quality of our hope determines the quality of our lives. Hebrews 6, 19-20 says it this way. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. That word anchor is important. Firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. So in other words, Jesus is the hope that entered into the inner sanctuary and has become the anchor that we have into that place. So hold that thought and we'll come back to it. Sometimes you and I need an anchor for our soul. Something to keep us from being carried away, something to keep us from drifting away, something to keep us from being shipwrecked on life's disappointments. Hope is powerful. It's part of the, as I mentioned, the powerhouse big three, love, faith, and hope, which, and the Bible tells us that the greatest of those three is love, which tells me that hope and faith are sort of neck and neck for second place. So if you have something to take notes with this morning, let me give you four things that hope gives you. Let me give you four things. Let me show you how powerful hope is by giving you four things that hope gives us. Number one, hope offers new beginnings. How many times, how many times have I heard someone say, I hurt this person, I I ruined my marriage, I wrecked my life, I turned my back on God, I've been living my own life, I've made a mess of my life, my life is empty, and I know there has to be more. How many times have I heard that confession, that statement? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Our sense of moral and spiritual failure and emptiness always brings guilt and remorse and frustration. But here's what I want to say to you today. God offers hope of forgiveness and a new beginning, a new start. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Now that's incredible news because it's hopeful news, hope-filled news. Maybe you heard the story, uh, if you aren't old enough to remember it, I'm not old enough, it happened before I was born. Maybe you've heard the story in history about a man named Chuck Colson. He was one of President Nixon's henchmen. 
who went down in the Watergate scandal in the 70s. His life was over. He was tried and convicted. He served hard time in prison. But here's something interesting about him you might not know. While he was in prison, Chuck Colson found Jesus and he began to live. He became a new creation. The old was gone and the new came in. And after his release from prison, he founded the largest prison ministry in the history of the world. And he became an instrument of God in bringing thousands and thousands of broken prisoners to faith in Jesus. Why? Because hope offers new beginning. In 1986, I was um, a, young, a middle teenager. I was afraid. I was insecure. I was confused. I was empty. I was longing for direction. I was wounded. I, I can remember the emptiness that I felt in my own life. And at 2 a.m. one morning, I turned to Jesus and I found the God of hope. The God of hope entered into my life. The presence of Jesus entered into my life. And I can tell you in the middle of the night, at 15 years old in 1986, the presence of God filled me and hope began to live in my life. And I began to dream and I began to have ideas and I began to have passion and I began to live. I began to find my gifts. I began to find my purpose. I began to find my calling. It, when this verse says... Old things have passed away and new things have come. I want to tell you, I believe in new beginnings because I am one. I believe in new beginnings because I remember what it feels like to have the old life living in you that doesn't produce anything. I guarantee you, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, I've hit a wall, I've hit a dead end, I've hit a spot in my life. I don't know how to start over. I didn't mean to do this. I didn't mean to make a mess of it like this. And I just want to tell you something. You will be shocked over time the person the God of hope could make you. You will be shocked over time as you follow him, as you drink hope, as you drink that anchor that's behind the veil, anchored into that inner place. You'd be shocked the person. Someday you can look at a person and say, I never would have thought. I never would have thought. One of my favorite things is when I've known someone in life and they, they live the old life. And I have 15 years go by and the next time I see them, they have welcomed Jesus into their heart. And over these 15 or 20 years, they are completely a different person than I ever knew before. What, how did that happen? Hope offers new beginnings. So it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up. It doesn't matter what you've done right or wrong. It doesn't matter where you are. Hope offers a new start. I believe that because I am one. The second thing is hope increases your faith. This, this is a profound insight to me. This is a profound thought to me. Hope increases your faith. I don't know if you've had those moments. I should say I don't know. I'm certain you've had those moments in your life. If you've walked with Jesus for more than five minutes. Where you've suffered with doubt. Or disillusionment. Or confusion. Or your faith just felt like it wasn't working. And you didn't know what to do. You, you, and all you could think is, I want to get back to where I was. 
And all along what Jesus is trying to do is carry you on to somewhere you've never been. He wants to mature your faith. But nobody tells us how do we work on our faith? How does our faith get better? How does our faith get stronger? How does our faith advance even through the hardships of life? How does our faith advance through the most discouraging times? I can tell you it has a lot to do with hope. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence, watch this, in what we hope for. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Hope and faith are interrelated and connected and hope gives faith life. I don't know anybody that's filled with faith that isn't also have a great amount of hope at work inside them. Look, I said this to you at the beginning. Faith without hope is legalism. It is legalism and rigidity. And, and it'll, it'll, make you, uh, it'll dry you up and make you cold. And it'll actually hurt your faith to try to be filled with faith when you have no hope. But hope brings life. If you want to see a great example of this, look in Scripture at uh, the life of Abraham. God had promised Abraham that he was going to be the father of many nations. But watch this. But as the years went by and Abraham got older and older and his wife got older and older and they passed the years where, where having a child was likely, it seemed like the, the, the circumstances were becoming more impossible all along. And, but this promise that God had put in the back of his mind was, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. And now Abraham's pushing 100 years old. And let me show you how Romans explains Abraham's faith. Romans 4.18 says, I love this verse, against all hope. You ever been there? Anybody ever been there? Against all hope. Against all odds, against all logic, against all reason, against what everybody else tells you is common sense. Against all hope, Abraham in what? Oh, come on, Abraham in what? Yes, Abraham in hope. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said, look down at verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. What strengthened his faith? Hope. You have any challenges in your faith? Your faith not producing what you thought it should? Your faith not working for you the way you think it should? You, you ever become disoriented with the results or the outcome of your life? And you ever say, I thought if I believed this, this would happen, and it didn't happen? And that causes us to back up and say, where's God? What's going to happen next? How's this going to work out? I got good news for you today. The Bible gives you a way to work on your faith. It's called hope. Abraham said, hope against all hope, Abraham in hope. And his faith was strengthened. In the face of increasingly hopeless situation, Abraham had hope. What strengthened his faith? Hope did. Now this is good news for me and good news for you. The greatest 
Believers in history are also the people who had the most hope. Hope strengthens faith. I can remember when we were uh, pastoring our church in Gulfport, there was a, there was a, it's a big long story, but there was a moment, uh, a critical moment of, of utter, complete discouragement for me. Uh, you know, look, we went through a lot of stuff. We went through Hurricane Katrina. We went through a lot of bad, bad, bad challenges. But there was a moment when I felt like, okay, the odds are stacked against us. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I'm overwhelmed. I'm down. Maybe it's time to give up. And I was eating lunch in a Chinese restaurant, and I went to the bathroom, and my phone rang in the, as I was coming out of the bathroom. And I looked, and I thought, I don't even know who that is. I don't even recognize that area code. And, and I thought, you know, who knows? Phone solicitor. So I picked it up. On the other end of the phone was a guy who had been a minister, who worked in Springfield, who maybe I had met once, if I even remember it. And he said to me, he said, I just want you to know something. Uh, I was praying for you this morning, and this has never happened to me, maybe one other time in my life. And God spoke to me and, and uh, wants, wanted me to call you, and he said, I, you've just been so heavy on my heart. I just wanted to speak to you and tell you, I, I believe God wants you to know, he's not done with you there yet. He's going to help you. He's going to make a way. Don't give up now. I can't tell you the hope that filled my life. Through the gifts of the Spirit, God spoke to this man, and that word came to me, and the presence of God filled my life. And you know what immediately got strengthened? Faith. I began to believe. I began to walk in confidence. I began to face the challenges of that night and the next morning with greater confidence and faith because my hope went up. Hope strengthens your faith. Hope gives life to your faith. Now, what is hope? We've defined it the whole series. What is hope? Hope is the presence of God. Can I tell you what some of you this morning need any more than anything else in your life? You need a fresh encounter with the presence of Jesus. And I'm telling you, that will work on, that is hope. <laughs> to be in the presence of God is to have hope. To be alienated and separated from God is hopelessness. And what you need this morning more than anything is a fresh encounter with the presence of Jesus himself. Hope offers new beginning and hope offers strength. Here's the third one. Hope is contagious. Just like we can drag people down with negativity or complaining or sarcasm, we can also inspire other people with the hope that's in our life. It not only encourages other believers, it also is a testimony to people who are far away from God. 1 Peter 3.15 says it this way, But in your hearts, uh, revere Christ as Lord. Always, you know this verse, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason, watch this, for what? For the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now I want you to think about this verse for a minute. 
We're to give an answer, but the hope in our life is supposed to generate the question. We're to be prepared to give an answer, but the hope in our life is supposed to generate the question. So I've got a question for you. When's the last time someone asked you, why are you so positive? Why do you have so much joy? How have you overcome the things that you've overcome? How do you stay encouraged? How I, I, Maybe people who know you well say, I know what you've been through. How have you come through this look and you're sane and you're normal and you're, you're healthy and you're moving? How did that happen? Your life is supposed to be such a testimony of hope that it causes questions. How many questions is your life stirring up? How many questions is the hope in your life stirring up? When's the last time someone approached you in that way? Now, just in case you wonder if the people around you need hope, let me give you a few thoughts on that. Here's what the latest statistics tell us. Out of your 100 nearest neighbors, the 100 people that live the closest to you, seven of them are dealing with severe depression and suicidal thoughts today. 14% are crippled and trapped by fear and anxiety today. 7% or 7 of those 100 are addicted to drugs or alcohol today. 3 are grieving the death of a loved one today. 10 or more are dealing with the loss of a job. 10 or more are dealing with the loss of a job today. 60 or more of them have never professed any type of Christian faith today. Hope isn't just about us. There are people around us who need us to live lives of hope because they need someone to show them what a hope-filled life in a broken world lives looks like. They don't need to know how to... How to uh, there's so much American prosperity that has seeped its way into the church. How to be successful. Nine steps to live in the life you always want to live. How about nine steps to live in the life God always wanted you to live? How about that? You, you, you have to live. And look, that can't just look like, hey, serve Jesus and you'll be successful like I am. That's not realistic in the world. It's only arisen in the wake of the greatest wave of prosperity that any nation on earth has ever known. But that wave has crested, and it's starting to recede. And as it does, people's lives are going to be hitting the wall like nothing you and I have ever seen. And you know what they're going to need? They're going to need people around them that are burning bright lights of hope that say, don't put your hope in the economy, don't put it in the stock market, don't put it in the American dream, put it in Jesus. And that hope will shine. Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary to India for 53 years, Maybe you've heard her name. No furlough, no break, 53 years. She fell in a pit, and that fall tragically paralyzed her the rest of her life. So what did she do? She stayed in India, and she continued to serve the people in India the rest of her life in a paralyzed state. And in one of, one of those moments when she needed God the most, She wrote a poem that I want to read you this morning. Very short and very simple. 
it's uh, called the God of hope. She says, hope through me, God of hope, or I can never know. Deep wells and living streams of hope and pools of overflow. O blessed hope of God, flow through me patiently until I hope for everyone as you have hoped for me. Isn't that incredible? That is a shining life of hope. You think anybody ever asked her the question, how do you have so much hope? How are you so encouraged? Maybe you fit into one of those groups today that we talked about. Depressed or discouraged or fear or addiction or job loss or grieving. The good news I have for you today is the God of hope is here for you. So here's the last one. Hope strengthens our faith. Hope shines through us to other people. Here's number four. Hope stabilizes you during chaos. Now what I want to do is go right back to the verse we started on in Hebrews chapter 6. Hope stabilizes you during chaos. Jesus is our hope that is an anchor, the Bible says, a, a, a weight with a hook on it. That when the line pops tight because the storms of life are blowing, that line won't break. Because it has a proper anchor that will hold. Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. During the days of Roman persecution of Christians, the Roman believers often hid in giant underground uh, caverns or caves or underground rooms that were called catacombs. In the largest of those catacombs in Rome, there were 66 drawings of anchors etched into the wall of those dark caves and rooms. 66 Now, I find this fascinating. I don't know if this is coincidental or if it's on purpose, but there are 66 books in the Bible. There are 66 anchors carved, etched on those cave walls in those catacombs for those underground places of safety for the Christians to hide when other Christians were being executed or persecuted or, or tortured somehow, harassed. Hope was the anchor during those times of persecution. Like an anchor, hope holds tightly. Do you remember what Hebrews says? Faith is the evidence of things we cannot see. That anchor holds tightly to what we cannot see. That anchor holds tightly to the invisible. Something we can't see but is real and there. I knew a man who was a um, fought in World War II. And he told me about the worst night of his life. He said, let me tell you about the worst night of my life. He was across enemy lines. Somehow had gotten abandoned. Was alone. And the German soldiers had infiltrated the forest where he was and he said as I hunkered down for the night um, I could hear German soldiers walking by I could hear them speaking German and I could hear leaves crunching and I could hear them close by wandering around me and he said I can't tell you the sheer terror or fear that overcame me they're out in the forest there's no light there's no street lights there's no he's literally out there abandoned in the woods in darkness surrounded by 
a real physical enemy who's looking for him and other soldiers like him so that they can kill them. And he's hunkered down and he said, as I'm, as I'm down there, I'm, I'm laying as quietly as I can. I'm trying to not move. Every now and then I would see a shadow of a soldier walk by or a few soldiers walk by. And I would hear them talk. And he said, as, as I lied there, uh, uh, Psalm 23 came to my heart. Now I want you to remember some of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your right hand. And he said, all night, I lied there and I quoted that verse. Look, you don't know how long are the Germans going to stay. Maybe they're going to stay for a month. Maybe they're going to stay and you starve to death. You dehydrate. You die. Maybe they're going to find you and kill you. You have no idea how long this is going to last. But he's lying there and he's quoting his, uh, under his breath Psalm 23. All that. And I asked him, how did you make it? How did you survive that? Now, here's what he told me. The presence of God. What is hope? The presence of God. He said, as I quoted that verse, the presence of God filled my heart and calmed my body and calmed my mind. And when daybreak, just uh, uh, an hour or so before daybreak, the German soldiers pulled out and moved on. And he lied there for about three more hours motionless, making sure they were gone. And then he was able to creep across and find uh, a place of safety and get away, and he survived. Intense. The presence of God is hope. God infuses us with moments of hope along the way, even in the midst of a storm. Several years ago, researchers did an experiment to try to see what effect hope had on enduring hardship. And so they took two groups of rats, and they put them in water. And they put one group uh, in the water, and they just let them tread water as long as they could. They treaded water for an hour. They took another group and they let them tread water and periodically they would pull them out and then they would put them back in. And they would pull them out and they would put them back in. And they would pull them out and they'd put them back in. And that group, guess how long they endured the water treading? 24 hours. It, it wasn't the rest, it wasn't the break, it was because they suddenly had hope. Those animals somehow hoped that if they would just stay afloat long enough, someone would reach down and pull them out and rescue them. How much more then should we know the God of hope and expect Him to show up in the storms of our life? We can't eliminate the storms, but we can be confident about Him and His presence in the middle of storms. And His presence gives us endurance. Strength in storms. What does it mean then, I'm going to ask our worship team to come, that Jesus is an anchor for the soul. Let me tell you what it means. Jesus took the cross of Calvary. He walked into the Holy of Holies. He tore the veil from top to bottom. He took one end of that cross and he bent it into a hook like an anchor. He threw it up and stabbed it right into the heart of God. And then he threw that lifeline out to me and you. And he gave us a permanent and eternal and hope-filled connection into the invisible holy of holies, into the very presence of God. You have hope anchored, chained, tied, permanently fused and connected into the presence of God. And that presence of God is hope.
Star Wars and Cinderella are not true stories. But that doesn't mean that your story can't have a good ending. Never, never, never underestimate the power of hope of new beginnings, of starting over, lamentations. Jeremiah writing the book of Lamentations in Lamentations 3 when Israel was at their worst state, when things couldn't get any worse, and he said, your mercy is new every morning. There's a whole, there's a whole quantity, there's a whole supply of the presence of God and the virtues of Christ and, and mercy and grace that are, that are set aside for you for tomorrow that you haven't even tapped into yet. You haven't even, you haven't even, but they're there. He already, he has our lives planned out and he has quantities of mercy and grace and his presence waiting for us before we even get there. So this morning as we wrap up, that soldier that lied on the floor and stared out that drain shaft into a highlighted single blade of grass was given so much hope. Today I want you to picture that drain shaft one end in this world and one end in heaven. And when we stare through it, we can see the cross of Jesus and if you just stare at that, stare at that, what does Jesus' death mean? What does God dying mean? What does God coming back from the dead mean? It means that the presence of Jesus is alive and real and here. And that presence fills your very life with hope. Hope for what? Everything. Everything and anything. Nothing is off limits to God's presence. Except what we deny Him access to. That's it. So I want to ask you if you'll stand with me this morning. And I want to ask our prayer team if you'd come now.